ready to keep you company wherever you are. Card Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. It's Monday, it's long weekend for some of us, and it's time for another whole week wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. Today's big stories, from explosive claims to a walk of shame, why the source behind former ESCOM CEO Andre Dorator's dirty intelligence dossier matters. A big oops of international proportions as President Cyril Ramaphosa announces SA's exit from the International Criminal Court, then does a quick about turn. You know that President Zuma, when he, when he couldn't say the million, billion, billion, I mean, I think this is Cyril Ramaphosa's million, billion, billion faux pas. And another month, another mayor. Is it time to revisit legislation around SA's doomed coalitions? It's a packed show, so let's get into it. Welcome to another whole week news wrap with Daily Maverick. My name is Masa Gigana, and again, I am excited to be joined by one of Daily Maverick's esteemed journalists. I am joined by Heather Roberts this week as we unpack the news that was, the news that is, and the news that is to come. Heather, how are you doing? I always start with this because, you know, journalists are never asked this question. How are you doing <laughs> this rat race of a news cycle? I'm doing fine. This rat race of a news cycle keeps me on my toes. Makes life never boring. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Let's get straight to it. ESCOM's dirty dossier. We do know that former ESCOM CEO Andre Dureter had that explosive interview with journalist Annika Larson in February where he made a whole lot of half allegations, some stuff we already knew, but he spoke based off an intelligence report that he said had been compiled. But we have now found out that that intelligence report was based on very little evidence, if any at all, but mostly on hearsay. This is absolutely shocking. To use an apartheid era spy makes me realize why the ANC leadership pounced on Dureta when we were all in a why they're not taking this seriously. So this does add a totally new light to the to, to the whole saga. Not that there probably isn't any, but we know that there is corruption in ESCOM. I mean, the court cases that mm. have come up, people that have been arrested. And we know there's definitely loads of corruption, and we know there was corruption with the ANC, with Madupi and Kusile. But the writer's highly naive. He exposed himself, and I think this week in Parliament, he exposed himself even further by not naming names and really hitting his bets and referring everything to the police or Provin Gordon or Sidney Mafumai. It's, and, it's like, been quite interesting to watch this whole thing unravel because I also get a sense that Andre Dureta is also kind of unraveling. Now, I must say, the intention behind all of this, I am all for. How it was gone about is the biggest problem and why I find that Andre Dureta is somewhat unraveling. Go back to Tony Oosthuizen's Checkered Past, a man who's been associated with third force activities in the early 1990s. Why is this important that we're looking at this history? It is very important because of where we come from. In the early 1990s, when we look at South Africa and put it into context, the apartheid era was crumbling. It was coming to its knees. There were negotiations already happening. And people like Tony Oosthuizen were fighting to prevent that. And on top of that, killing people to prevent <coughs> that. I mean, I lived through that era as a, as a journalist, as a young young journalist. And I mean, 
I covered, I mean, the horror of the Boy Patong massacre. So basically what the apartheid security forces were doing were trying to turn IFP people against the communities. I mean, and it was horrific. I mean, I've lost journalist friends mm-hmm. in that. It was warfare. But to use someone who was involved in that, yeah, this put the whole underdirector revelation, Anikolasan, in a very new light to me. I wonder if he regrets doing that interview in hindsight, him having now to appear before Scopa, him having to show his naivety, him having to show a lot of things that we weren't aware of about Andre Dureta have come to light. I wonder if he sits back now and thinks, should I have done that interview? Or should I have done it a different way, perhaps? Should I have not have relied on information of a report that was pretty much Nothing. But then it does speak to us as South Africans still being very, very divided. Hey, Who do we trust? Who are we suspicious of? It was an announcement that took many political analysts by surprise. South Africa would be leaving the International Criminal Court, but not so fast. Turns out Ramaphosa got it very wrong. President Cyril Ramaphosa abruptly announcing last week that South Africa will be withdrawing from the International Criminal Court. Then later on, we've got a statement issued by his spokesperson saying that, oh, that was wrong. South Africa will remain in the court. And then we had a statement issued by the ANC to also try and clarify this to say, yes, it was discussed at the NEC, but it was about how we go about leaving. Should we leave as a last resort? All this confusion. You know that President Zuma, when he, when he couldn't say the million, billion, billion, I mean, I think this is still about a pauses, million, billion, billion faux pas, that you don't know what your party's position actually is when you were actually voted in the conference in December where they took this position. I mean, what's happening, Pres? Yeah. Are you with us or not? But it also speaks <laughs> to his power within his party, that he actually may not know exactly what's going on in his party. I mean, surely you're the president of a party. You know exactly what your party's positions are on various things. You're standing with the president of another country and you're speaking utter rubbish. It's really odd. Very disappointing. Increasingly, our president is, is disappointing. But the point is, is that he misspoke, he got it wrong, and he lost the nuance. Because I think the nuance is important that the ANC have decided that they will stay part of the ICC, but they do critique the ICC. And I think that's absolutely fair if we look at the ICC. I mean, is the ICC globally fair? Or does the ICC pick and choose which countries to invest? Absolutely. This was a missed opportunity by the president. This was a missed opportunity because what was discussed at the NEC about perhaps amending the national legislation that would domesticate the Rome statute you know, in a manner that exactly. reflects our country as things like that, I yeah. thought were a step in the right direction. Yeah, I me too. Were great conversations. And these are conversations that President Ramaphosa could have been steerhead, who could have come across very strong, because these are very strong arguments that the ANC is making, you know, with the examples that they made, that they'd like to use the benchmark approach of the United Kingdom, which also domesticated the Rome Statute yeah. to incorporate yeah. the provisions of their own articles. The city of Johannesburg loses yet another mayor. This time, Tepelo Ahmad of the Al-Jamaa party resigned after only four months at the helm. 
As members of Action SA, the IFP, the ACDP and the UIM push for coalition again, we ask why major metros are simply unable to get it right. And what does it all mean for the residents? Speaking of purpose, Heather, we have to go to our state of coalition. Our coalition governments in the province of Gauteng You are... mean state of collisions? Oh, yes. I mean, big crash. <laughs> it's one crash after the other. That's are we going to get a bang. new mayor every quarter? I mean, <laughs> congratulations to the outgoing Johannesburg Mayor Tapelo Ahmad because he stayed a little bit longer than the Pretoria outgoing mayor previously before we had <laughs> his current mayor. So kudos to him. He lasted just over three months. It is a whirlwind and it is so unfair to the residents of this province what political parties are doing to us. Because as another mayor leaves office, former Joburg Mayor Tapelo Ahmad resigned just before a motion of no confidence in him. Now, as it stands, up until tomorrow, Tuesday, we do not have a Johannesburg mayor or a mayoral committee. And that mm. is the state of the city. You know, it's really, really, it's disgusting because the state of the city is in such a mess. The service delivery, the potholes, communities are without water for days on end. It's just, it's a calamity. And yet Johannesburg is meant to be the most amazing, leading African city. And these political parties are just, I mean, it's, it's, it's really petty, selfish interest that seems to be dominating their discourse. It's not about service at all. I'm fascinated by Songhezo Zibi's Rise and Zanzi. It calls it out. Yes, these political parties are just not for the people. And a lot of people don't want to vote because they're just there for themselves. And it's true. If you constantly change a mayor and you can't actually choose the right person for the job and you're doing it just to do an up yours to another opposition party, I mean, what does it say about you? What does it say about your values? That you're only in politics for opportunism, for your position, not for service to the people. The days of politicians being servants, as Madiba said, when he, when he stood on the platform, you know, I'm here as a servant of the people. I mean, is gone. When the... ANC and PA in Gauteng were asked because they had endorsed Tabelo yeah, Amar. Um, yeah. And it was a couple of weeks ago when Gayton McKenzie tweeted that, oh, to the city of Johannesburg residents, we're so sorry, we made a mistake, <laughs> you know, picking this guy. And that's it. Oh, whoopsie, here's a tweet. We made a mistake. I mean, so he, he literally didn't know his stuff. I mean, we know that he was, he's not on top of his head. We know that. They so, knew that when they endorsed him. And, and it was quite interesting. I was watching a television interview with Kenny Kunene. And when he was asked, what is the reason you endorsed this guy? What is the reason he's given you? He said, well, you know, you can't ask a man deep questions. What? I mean, you can't ask a man deep questions. <laughs> you can't ask, I quote verbatim. The point is, look, they're the ones who put up the motion of no confidence. But yes, you're also the ones who endorsed him. So yeah. why did the motion of no confidence come about? What made you not have confidence in him three months down the line, whereas three months before they were defending him when people yeah. said this party only got 3% of the vote <laughs> and now we've got this man as the mayor and they defended him. They said this is democracy. My worry <laughs> here is that we're going into a crucial election year next year, and this is not local election. These are general elections. Voting yeah. in our national government. If we see 
what has happened in the province of Gauteng, for instance, at a national level? Where does that leave South Africa? Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. MEC Mzikumalo, even he's in Gauteng and he's saying that motions of no confidence should be a last resort. The DAAs brought a private members bill to help stabilize the current code. They're saying also that, you know, we should actually change legislation so that we don't allow a whole lot of different motions of no confidence. That you actually give the person who has been voted in a time to actually serve and possibly make a difference. I think that's important. And I think all these political parties must show whether they care about us, the citizens, by stopping this nonsense votes of no confidence and putting much more careful consideration into who they choose. We've had nine mayors in Joburg since Park starts. Crazy. If we are heading for coalition governments, the legislation's got to change. If you agree, you know, these are the positions they're going to get and they're going to be in there for the next four years. We can actually see whether they are serving us or not. There are coalition governments around the world that we can cite, but they've been doing it for decades. And our teething process is actually costing us our entire country. I mean, it may not seem like it now, but South Africans have managed to pull ourselves out of worse situations. We've just had this mockery of politicians who've kind of like gotten used to the good life and access to, to the till, so to speak. So I really think that voters need to give them all a wake up, the whole lot of them. I look at it. I think in theory they they I, I found I I was looking forward to it when 2016 hit. I, in theory, I think yeah, they yeah, found yeah. great, but unfortunately in practice, what no no in practice as but I'm residents, yeah no in practice it is a balls up. It's a total balls up. But with the balls up showing that the political parties actually are not putting the people first, and that's all of them. I mean they've actually they've put all their parties into disrepute, quite frankly. None of them come out nice in shining armor to me. Possibly shooting into our green shoot, the possible green shoot is that um, to be on the optimistic side, we are probably going to get a new Johannesburg mayor, a new yeah. mayoral committee. And hopefully this time it is going to be somebody that residents are going to be confident with, somebody who is up for the job, somebody who will last longer than three months. Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> or two weeks, you know, somebody who, who doesn't fake qualifications or anything like that. Just yeah. a decent person with merit who wants to put the city first and the residents first. Renewables are the future, and the electricity minister is very much aware of this fact. At the recent Solar and Future Energy Show Africa conference, investors, independent power producers, large energy users and academics were thrilled to learn of government's plans to make 15 gigawatts of renewable energy available in the next bid window. And we agree, it's definitely something worth celebrating. Another green shoot, the Minister of Electricity announcing some good news in the renewable energy sector. It's great news, but I would really like to see how it's going to happen. That's fantastic news, actually, because basically our renewables are only about 10% of the country's total capacity right now. He has been talking about extending the life of the coal plants, which I think is going to be necessary in the short term, definitely. But I liked what he said about the fact that our continent probably could be the, the, the heart of renewable energy because of where we place the amount of sun that we have, water, etc. It is exciting. But I mean, it seemed like at that um, 
conference that he attended that he was actually also calling on business to to invest which is good because there is renewable energy a lot of it based in the northern cape which has the most sun in the country so it makes sense except that the network from the northern cape to the rest of the country is not developed enough so i think he's calling on business to actually invest in that so that we can actually deliver to other parts of the country not just in the northern cape so i think it's very exciting and hopefully we'll create jobs as well because that's what we need eh? i mean that's that's one of our absolute and the two things we probably need most right now electricity and jobs jobs absolutely yeah well it's been fantastic chatting with you all the best for the week that is to come thank you you too thanks for listening in case you missed any of our earlier episodes you can find them now on spotify and all other major platforms also head on over to the card plant website for more insightful content.